But let me jump into today. We've been in a series called Abide. And if you're just visiting today for the first time, that word might feel foreign to you. It means, it means to live in or remain in uh, or get rooted in. And it's a word that uh, Jesus uses in, uh, in, a, in a pretty um, popular passage in one of the Gospels in John chapter 15. And we've been walking through John 15 very slowly. It's like a six-week series on 17 sentences. Uh, sometimes we do, you know, a book in three weeks, and sometimes we just stop and go really slowly. And this is one of those passages you need to go thro- slowly with. And so we've been talking about what it means to abide in Christ, not just saying Jesus become part of my life, but the invitation that Jesus has to us to be in him. He's the bigger circle. We're the smaller circle. That's kind of the image we started with several weeks ago. And as we've grown in this series, we've understood you can't thrive, as Jesus talks about being fruitful without abiding in him. Um, We also talked about aligning with Christ. If we want to abide with him or in him, we need to walk his ways. And one of the ways he invites us to do this in John 15 is by loving one another. And so this big umbrella command of love that we explored a few weeks back. And then we went from there and just this idea that if we want to be fruitful and thrive in life and in our relationship with God, sometimes God as a gardener would do prunes things in our lives so, so his energy, his life will flow to the fruit, to the purposes, to the, to the kind of impact we can make with our life. In fact, next week is we're ending the series and just casting a vision for what is a fruitful life. So that's how we're going to end this Abide series next week. I'm excited about that. Last week, Nathan did a great job of just helping us understand that, that this relationship with Jesus, he doesn't call us a servant, a slave. He, he calls us a friend, and he lets us into his business. He, he says, I want you to know everything about what I'm about. And, and so it's this open, wonderful embrace uh, that Christ has with us. And uh, we, we got a glimpse of that last week in understanding what friendship with Jesus is, and that was great. But I want to I just draw our attention to one piece of this today, and it's this. If, I hope, I hope if you've been with us for the last several weeks, that you've been drawn into this invitation of what it means to abide in Jesus and have this relationship with Christ. Um, but the question is like, what's next? What happens? How do we fuel that? This conversation in John 15, and normally we start the message time reading this whole passage, but I'm going to save it for the end today, and you'll see why. So I'll just touch on verses in it for now. But the context of John 15 fits in three or four chapters in the Gospel of John where Jesus is saying kind of a a farewell speech to his close friends, his disciples. And part of that is preparing his disciples uh, because one day he will not be physically with them, but he wants them to remain in relationship with him. And so part of this whole teaching from chapter 13 to chapter 17 of John is this farewell conversation to help his disciples continue to grow in him. So the question is for us in in this journey we've been in, how do we nurture this life in him relationship um, that he paints for us? And for the disciples, it was the question, how do we continue building this relationship with you, Jesus, if you're not going to be here physically? And Jesus gives us some ideas on how that works. We've, in the series, kind of brought in some images of planting and gardening and fruit and vegetables, and it just kind of fits with the fruitful life. And um, some people think, you know, I happen, I happen to have an Italian background, and, and some people automatically associate an Italian as a good gardener. 
but I'm really not. I like landscaping. I like making my, my land look nice, but I'm, I'm not great with vegetables. And uh, in fact, we every year, for the last several years, my uncle, he, he, grows, he grows these beautiful grape tomatoes of different varieties right from seed. Like, he's good at gardening. He happens to be Italian. But again, there's not the correlation, but, and I, I am too, but I'm just not good at it. So he, I, I take the, the, the plants and I plant them in my garden. And, um, and so often we'll get some fruit, but like last year, we just had a really meager crop. And according to my wife, it's because I neglect the tomatoes. Like, right, I, I just, I don't water them, I don't talk to them, I don't spend time with them. And the funny thing is, where Sylvia, Sylvia Harder is at the back, she's at Connections today, and I've given her some of my uncle's plants, because he has extra, and I've given some to Daria uh, Nardoza as well, and they've, it's amazing, Sylvia boasts incredible crop with the same plant, and, and it's just crazy, and I think here's the difference, I neglect them and she nurtures them, that's the difference, right? So... I'll have like four or five on my plant and she'll have 50 because she nurtures them and I neglect them. And when you think about abiding in Christ, I want to just point this out to us. Vision is not enough. The principle is not enough. The idea is not enough. You can tie this to if you're a student in high school or college and you, you know like, oh, you have this vision to to grow as a student or to do well in math or calculus or, or get, get a handle on this book. And the vision isn't enough. It's often we start the year with a fresh notebook and we're like, I have a vision to do awesome in English this year. But the vision isn't enough, right? You can neglect or nurture. That happens with relationships. You can have this, you know, this amazing vision of whatever a relationship is, but neglect or nurture really makes the difference. The vision isn't enough. Same with a career or job. So the reality of abiding, it is, it's available to anyone who trusts in Jesus. Anybody sitting in these chairs today, and myself included, anybody in your neighborhood, anybody that you lock eyes with, anybody across this globe has the ability to abide in Christ or the opportunity when they put their trust in Jesus. Anybody. It's just, it's there. But you know what? The principle isn't enough. And even when someone puts their trust in Christ and starts a relationship, there's something that we need to keep growing in that relationship. And so this word abide, or in some of your versions as the word remain, it's an active word. It's a, it's a verb. It's, it, it's something we do. And so Jesus invites us to do something. He says, abide in me or remain in me. So there's an action associated to it. There's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an activity in a sense that's ongoing. That's not, that's not just passive, but something that we engage in as we want to stay connected to Jesus. We root ourselves in him. And Jesus gives us these clues in John 15 on what that looks like. He gives his disciples, the first time they're hearing this, he gives them clues on what they can do to, to, to nurture this vision, to fuel this relationship. And so here's what we're going to do today. There's a phrase on the screen, and it just says this, abiding through... And then there's just a blank, okay? So abiding through, and we're going to fill in the blank about three times as, as we walk through this today. Abiding through something. And, and really what we're going to talk about is practices that help us abide in Christ. Because like we said, vision isn't enough. And aspiration isn't enough. And, and although Jesus lives within us when we trust him and we live in him, there's things that we can do to partner with that. And so the first thing the first blank we're going to fill out is this. Abiding through 
And here it is, abiding through words. Abiding through words. You know, words are pretty important. Um, my dad has been, he passed away 10 or 11 years ago, and there are words that he has told me that are just, have stuck with me. There are things that he's, he's shared with me or taught me or talked with me about, whether it's about relationships or life or character or finances, that his words have just stuck with me. Jesus gives us a clue in verse 7. He says this, listen to this. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever I wish and it will be done for you. Did you catch this? Here's this one conditional statement in this, this, this chapter. He says, if you remain in me, and then you can even add, if my words remain in you. But look, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Just pause there for a second. Here, here's this invitation. Jesus is saying, abide in me. But then he, he adds the how or part of the how in this. How do we nurture that? And Jesus is saying, there's something that I want you to have in you so you can remain in me. There's something I want you to grow inside of you so you can keep growing in me. And that's his words. His words. The power of words. I'll never forget, I was about 15 or 16 years old and someone had visited our house. Often people visited our house and our family and sat around our dining room table. And there was one man, his name was John Del Turco. And I probably shared this phrase with you because it stuck with me. It's just words. He, he used to say, and he said it probably over like veal cutlets one day. I don't know. And I was 16 and he said it. And he said, you know, you take care of your character and God will take care of your reputation. Just that one phrase. I, I'm telling you, I wasn't more than 16 and I'm 41 now, and I, that, those words are just stuck with me. They've just, they've, they just continue to live in me. Now, much more powerful than this man named John, or my dad even, is Jesus. If you abide in me, or remain in me, and my words remain in you. So there's something that by his word, something happens in us. Now check this out. If we go back a few verses to verse 3, Jesus tells his disciples, you're already clean. You're already pruned. You're already in process of growing in me. And he says, and this is why. He says, because of the word I have already spoken to you. So Jesus, when he invited his disciples into this relationship, he spoke his word to them. He, he announced God's kingdom. He announced the gospel. He announced this invitation that they can be in relationship with him and know who God is through him. And here's what the disciples did. They took that announcement. They believed it. They embraced it. They, they responded to it. It wasn't just great advice, but it was this powerful word of Jesus that that infiltrated their hearts as they embraced it. It was this dynamic power connected to a dynamic person, Jesus, who is not just fully man, but fully God. And we get this throughout the scriptures. Jesus' words are described as living and active. Jesus' words are described as, as part of the words that have sparked creation into being. Jesus, when he spoke, he healed people and liberated people, and, and the lights went on in people's minds and hearts as he spoke. His words were powerful. In the beginning of, of this gospel, John, John describes Jesus. He says, in the beginning was God. And then he says, the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word was with us. And the word came and, and made his dwelling among us. He's talking about Jesus. And one of Jesus' titles is the word. John 1, chapter, John chapter 1, verse 1. One of his titles is the word. And so when, 
when the disciples first hear this, the words of Jesus, it kickstarts them into this relationship as they respond. Something happened. Something happened. And it continue, we continue to see this pattern in the New Testament. And we continue to see it in history. There are people all over the world today from different backgrounds, different religious groups. When they hear the words of Jesus and they believe them and respond to them, something happens. They're transformed from the inside out. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says it this way. Paul, Paul realized that this was true, and he's telling this church years later after Jesus, he says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Something happens when we hear the word, believe, respond, discover. But the starting point is only the starting point. What Jesus is getting at in John 15 is the sustaining journey. So in verse 3, it's like, hey, you're already clean because of the word I spoke to you. This started it. But in verse 7, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's the sustaining part. That's the sustaining part. Why? Because in Jesus' words are his DNA, his truth, the substance of who he is, his life and message, the whole gospel are found in his words. And so if we want to grow in that relationship and experience the fullness of this, Jesus is saying, get my words in you. Get my words in you. Keep my words with you. Let them flourish and live and grow in you. So here's this first practice. Abide through words. The practice is to eat up and digest the scriptures. To intake and absorb the scriptures. And so the practice is simple, but it, it's, it's just, and it's not, the practice is not a God. The practice is not the main thing. The practice is just something that nurtures us. And the practice is reading the words of Jesus so you will grow in abiding in Jesus. Something of his in us so we can grow in him. And it's that simple practice of reading the scriptures. We'll come back to that later. But here's this other practice that's connected to this. And it's abiding not just through words. Here's the other blank. Abiding through prayer. You may think, well, that's simple. But, but you know what? Jesus twice in John 15 mentions prayer. Now, it sounds really like a request. You know, Jesus says, ask whatever you want. And the second time, he says, ask whatever you want in my name. But if you're really connected, in verse 7, listen to where it comes from. He says, if you remain in me, and if my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish. There's this connection with what we're asking to his words. It's not just random, like Jesus saying, hey, just ask me for a Ferrari, and I'm going to give you a Ferrari. Or, you know, ask me... You know, I want to marry this person, so ask me for this person. Well, maybe you, sh- you can ask for something like that. But I mean, ask me for, you know, oh, Jesus, I just love, the, I would love a new wardrobe. Mine sucks, you know. Like, you can't, you can't take verse 7 or later on verse 17 and say, Jesus, you promised it. I want that diesel shirt in my wardrobe, you know. What, what's happening here, here's the question. What kind of prayer is abiding prayer? The kind of prayer that's abiding prayer that helps us grow in Christ is prayers that are shaped by Jesus. So Jesus loves to hear our prayers regardless of even if we're distraught or hurt or lonely or, or in, a, in a time of joy or success or whatever. I mean, you read through the Psalms and there are all kinds of emotions. God loves to hear our prayers. But abiding prayer, prayers that grow, our, grow us in Jesus, are prayers that are shaped by the words of Jesus. So abiding prayer is word-shaped prayer. What do I mean by that? I mean that we allow the scriptures to actually inform our prayers. When we, in our community group, uh, often when we're walking, if it happens to be that we're walking through a scripture, one of the things I love to say is, okay, how are you going to pray about that? 
How can we pray this? So here's an example. Here's like just a few words, a few verses from, uh, from John 15, verse 9. So if, if this was me, and, and, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to pray, but I don't know what to pray, and, and this happens to be the text that I'm reading, and it's right out of John 15, and so, so, so this is how I, how I would see this. How, do, how does abiding prayer become word-shaped prayer? It becomes this. I might be seeing that and say, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So I might pause, and, and how would I pray that? I, I might pray thankfulness. I might say, God, thank you so much that you love me, that Jesus loves me, because as the Father loved me, so does Jesus love me. So here I am now, just opened up, and I say, Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that the Father, God, loves me, and the Son loves me. God, through that love, help me remain in your love. I might move forward and read, if you keep my commands, you, rem- you will remain in my love. And I might pause there, and I might think, how do I pray that? So I might just say, Lord, give me strength to keep your commands. Give me grace to keep your commands. Lord, show me your commands. I might pause and say, what are some of the commands that Jesus has already said? How can I go back and read through them and say, God, how can I pray through these so I can live them? And, and here's an awesome part here. He says, if you can keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I might pause there again and say, God, thank you. Jesus was my model. Jesus lived this. He took your commands and he lived them. Lord, help me to see the life of Jesus. Then later on, verse 12, just the last line, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. You know, you could pray that. You could say, Lord, there's some people I have a hard time loving. There's some people in my church I have a hard time loving. I have a hard time loving our pastor, David. Please help me. (laughs) You know, and so you're just saying, Lord, give me that kind of love. Lord, you teach us to love and there's something about loving that aligns me to who you are and helps me abide in you. And you might say, Lord, show me the people that I have made obstacles with in my life. I am not loving them. You just might pray that. You might have two or three names that come to your mind and then God leads you to pray specifically for them. And then you start praying for them because the word shaped your prayers. And it didn't just come out of nowhere, but it came out of Jesus' words or the words in Scripture. You can do this with a lot of scripture. Sometimes you've got to read a little bit more if it's a story. But in, in sometimes sections like this, it could be a word or a phrase. And it's word-shaped prayer. And so when his words take root in me, my prayer becomes prayer that abides in Christ, that grows in Christ. So let me ask you a question. Are, are your, do you feel like your prayer life is boring, stale, powerless, challenging, um, you don't know what to say. Don't start with your own words. Start with Jesus' words. Pray the scriptures. Pray his words. Let his words become your prayers. Let, his, let the power of the Spirit grow his words in you and become your prayers. Eugene Peterson says this. He says, the reason why our prayers are so often flat or fall flat and come out stale is because they have been uprooted from the soil of the Word of God. In other words, our prayers are just so disconnected from the words of Jesus, so disconnected from God's Word. But we can change that if we allow the words, His words, to become our prayers. So we can abide through His Word, we can abide through prayer, But here's one more practice that I think Jesus gives a clue to his disciples. If they want to grow in abiding in him, this is going to be help for them. And and, 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 um, it's this. Here's the word. It's abiding through, fill in the blank, community. 
In verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I love that. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. It's not just speaking to one of them. You're the branch. You are the branches. A collection, a community of relationships connected to Jesus. When Jesus says that, he's assuming, he's assuming that the disciples he's speaking to, and now us, you know, centuries later, that we are in community together, that we are in relationship together. That's community. He's assuming the branches are not just isolated, one branch connected to one vine. It's many branches connected to one vine. Jesus is the head. We are the body. The church is the body of Christ. The disciples are part of the body of Christ. And so here's what we understand with that. You, will, you can never walk in faith by yourself. You can never walk in faith on your own. If you're trying to do stuff all by yourself, if you're trying to overcome things by yourself, if you're trying to grow in Christ by yourself, it's, it's, it's going to be a losing battle. I mean, God is with us and he strengthens us, but he intentionally wired us to be branches with other branches connected to the vine. He intentionally wired us to be the body connected to the head. He, he intentionally created the ecclesia, the assembly, the church to be a community that people, they might come to Christ alone, but they never move forward alone because we walk together in community. And so relationship with Jesus never grows alone. That's why I'm amazed that in verse 12 and verse 7, Jesus repeats the command twice. He says, love each other. Why? Why love each other? Well, that's one way that we are like Jesus. But another reason is that because as we love each other, we grow to be more like Jesus. And we experience Him more. And we, we grow into Him as we love each other. And we also grow as a community that supports each other. Abiding grows in community, not in isolation. So here's the thing. We've been casting a vision for the last several weeks, abiding Christ. Make, make sure he's the bigger circle and you're the smaller circle. But in that smaller circle, you're not by yourself. You're in a community. And sometimes, yes, you might feel like, am I really part of a community? Is anybody really walking with me? And my, I, I'm so sorry if sometimes you feel like that. And it doesn't rely on just me or one person or a few people. But, but the vision of Jesus is that we walk together. We encourage each other. I think we try hard to create environments where people can be together and grow together and build relationships and pursue Jesus together. But here's what I want you to know. You will never experience the fullness of abiding in Christ outside of community. Never. D.L. Moody, who was a really famous preacher in Chicago, once was speaking to someone and and they were sitting down, I think in, in his parlor or his living room, I think in Chicago they call it a parlor, maybe Boston, whatever, but... I'm just trying to be American. Anyways, so he's standing there, and, and this, he's talking to this man, and, and, and a good man, nice man, but he's, the, the man's questioning him. He's like, hey, listen, honestly, why do I need to stay connected to this church or to people or whatever? And so they're sitting, and there's a fireplace there, and there's a couple of embers burning and a couple of pieces of wood. And so D.L. Moody just goes quickly, and he takes this red-hot piece of wood, and he just takes it out, and he just puts it aside from the fire, and they keep talking and talking and talking, and he keeps wondering about community. And so... So he says, well, listen, he said, well, he said, well, what happened to that, that piece of, little piece of wood I took out of the fire? He says, well, it's not that hot anymore. And he's like, well, is it even red? He's like, well, it's not, like, actually dried up. It was red when it came out of the fire, but when he took it aside, it just, the heat was leaving and the redness left. And, and D.L. Moody simply said, that's, that's community. Like, if you want to stay separate, it's going to be colder and harder and isolated. But in Christ, we walk together. We move together. N.T. Wright 
asked this question in one of his commentaries on John. He said, how do we remain in him? What does this look like in practice? And he says this, we must remain in the community that knows and loves him and celebrates him as Lord. There's no such thing as a solitary Christian. We can't go it alone. This week I had a chance to, to connect with some of our community groups in prayer. And, and uh, on Monday night I got a chance to pray with my family. And in other nights I ended up praying with our groups. And one of the things I regret is not praying with my family more because I ended up praying with groups every other night. But here, here's what I did learn though. Some people might say, well, Dave, you went to the groups just to what? Just to check up on them or see how people are doing. And you know what? I just, I had so, I had such a good time praying with different groups this week. I left more in touch with Jesus. When, when our family prayed together on Monday, we just walked through John 15 and I left more encouraged in Christ. Well, I didn't leave my house to do that, but I left the group to come back home. But there was this, something happens when you're with community. You're growing together. You're encouraging each other. And some people might say, oh, yeah, you, you know, you do that to encourage the groups. And I thought, no, I did it to encourage myself <laughs> because this was a prayer week and it's great to pray in unison and unity. Fueled my relationship with Christ. Colossians 2, this was our theme this week for prayer. And look at Paul's goal for this church. My goal is that they, together, they, you, you know, a body, may be encouraged in heart, united in love. You can't do that on your own. United means together with others, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. And here's why. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. That happens together. He says, I I pray, I long for you. And he's talking to this church. You'd be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that you might know the deep understanding of this. But here's why. So you can know God through Jesus. And that's going to come through community. So abiding community, abiding through community, when we worship together. Don't pencil this gathering into your agenda. Write it with a pen. Say, I'm there. I'm going to worship with my community. I'm going to explore Jesus with this new community. Maybe it's new for you. We learn together. We grow together. We take what we, what we learn and we, we work through it together. We support each other. There's no other group of friends that will support you in your journey with Jesus. For sure. I mean, it's cool. Play hockey with friends. Uh, knit with friends. My sister-in-law knits. She has an awesome thing right there on her knee. It just reminded me of that. Do whatever. Join a knitting club. Be, hang out with people. Those groups are cool, but that group doesn't have the purpose of helping you walk closer to Jesus. This group does. And so we walk together in that way. And we keep each other accountable. F- good friends hold you accountable to the right relationships. And when we can, if we consider ourselves friends in community, we hold each other accountable to the relationship with Jesus. Ultimately, it's this. The branches are all connected to Jesus. He's the body. And we walk together in that. Some of you might say, well, man, why do I need these practices? I mean, Jesus is God. Why don't you just keep me connected? Like, just hold me into the vine, Jesus. Like, why? But it's all about relationship. And no one forces a relationship on you. Jesus says, no, I've, something has happened. You're connected with me. But let's grow together. Let's grow together. Let's figure that out. Let's move forward in this way. So just come back and ask the band to come up as we, we come to a close here and want to spend some time in worship today. You know, I go back to the tomatoes, right? I mean, it's nurture or neglect. <laughs> what kind of life do we want? Do we want to be fruitful? Do we want to thrive? Do we want to grow? 
And the reality is, is in principle, you plant a tomato plant in the ground and it grows. There's stuff that you have no control over because it's just part of the ground. But then there's, this, then there's your part. So I'm going to nurture this. It's a great vision, but I, w- I, need to, I want to nurture this. I'm going to participate in this. I'm going I'm to be part of this. So these three practices of abiding, can I just challenge all of us, and, and I'm challenging myself to, to engage these practices. They're not God. These practices aren't God. It's not, they're not an idol, but they're just things, practices to help us grow in our relationship with God. So for, for Scripture and Jesus' words, we're, we're trying to read the Scriptures together over two years. It's a real simple plan. It's on our website. There's, there's uh, printouts at the Connections Hub today. You can pick it up. It's a 2015 reading plan. It takes you one or two chapters a day in the Scripture. Sunday you have off. Saturday's a psalm. If you, if you miss, it's okay. You can just keep kind of going. This, this is not like some kind of test. But imagine we all grow in Scripture together and allow the Scriptures to speak to us. So why don't we commit to that? I was talking to one of our teens this week, and they said, oh, what's that plan? I want to keep reading. I missed a day, and I thought, oh, you're reading that? I'm like, that's pretty cool. And because as we grow in His Word, we'll grow in Him. In prayer, what would it take just to carve out 10 or 15 minutes a day to spend time with Jesus in prayer? With, imagine coupling that, His Word and His prayer. And prayer. And what would it take to say, I'm going to join some other people in prayer. Maybe Sunday morning before the gathering or here in worship or a community prayer night or one of our community groups. And then community. How do, let's walk through this together. We're here to walk through this together. No one's on journey alone. If you're here, you're coming here for the first time, you're like, wow, maybe, you know, do I have to do all this? And I'm like, no. If you're here for the first time, I want you to just say, hey, let's just explore a little bit with us. Maybe your first step in all of this today is, I'll come back next week. Maybe that's your first step, and that's okay. But some of you who have been journeying and you see this vision, you're like, I want to abide in Christ. I want more of this. Jesus say, nurture it. Nurture it. Build this into it. So as we go into worship, we are going to read John 15 together, and then the team's going to lead us into a time of worship. And so what I want us to do is we're going to incorporate everything we've just said, the words, the prayers, and the community in this moment. And so we're going to read John 15, verse 1 to 17, slowly, prayerfully, inviting Jesus to speak into our hearts. And we're going to read it together. As we read it together in community, prayerfully, we're absorbing his words, trusting that Jesus is drawing us in to abide in him. So I want to just pause our hearts and read this together. If, if you feel like, just, like you just need to listen to it, I would even just shut your eyes and listen to the words and let the words just kind of roll over you. If you want to say them as I say them, then let's say it together. But let's take these words of Jesus, abiding through word, let's read them prayerfully as prayer, and let's do it together. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you 
Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So I invite you to, in this moment, just pause and allow the Lord to use these words to become your words for prayer. As the team leads us in worship, my call to you is let's, abide through worship. Let's pursue God in these next few moments. Worship Him. Surrender our hearts to Him. If you're here for the first time and wondering, how do I do that? Just maybe use the words as a prayer. Just invite God to to reveal Himself in your heart. And as we do that, I'm going to ask one or two people, I think Kristen, maybe Barb or others will come to this side. And if you need prayer at all during this worship time or at the end of the gathering, then you can come up and there will be someone who prays with you and for you. So let's, uh, let's stand as we worship together and pursue Jesus together.